This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, our marriages, our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. Welcome to episode 341 of the Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder podcast. And this week is a really fun episode because I it's actually just me. I don't have a guest this week. And you're like, wait a second, Molly, didn't you have your daughter on last week? Wasn't that technically like a solo episode? No, it wasn't a solo episode because I had my daughter on. Okay. <laughs> um, but I have been wanting to do this episode for a while. And I kept looking at my calendar for the year and decided, you know what, now is actually the best time to do it. And there is, are a couple of reasons why. But one is, you know, I'm recording this right in the midst of it. But two, uh, the month of March, just in general, has a, a special place in my heart. So today's episode is titled, Why Our Family Does a Low-Dough March. So before I get into it, I want to say, what is a low-dough march? Because I know some of you listening might be like, what, what is that? It's it's not a thing that you could really like Google. Um, but essentially what it is, is low-dough march is something my family and I do, uh, I say every year. I think this is our second or third year. Um, so it's not our first rodeo, but it's also not our, you know, 18th. So somewhere in between. Um, but basically, essentially what it is, is it is a month, all 31 days of March, where we as a family spend as little money as possible. So we really cut down on anything extraneous. Is that the word I'm looking for? Anything extra. And we spend as little money as possible. I'm going to get into the nitty gritty of that, but that's essentially, in short, what it is. Now, where did this whole idea come from? This is not a new concept, okay? We are not the inventors of this. We simply do it in March, but I know that we are not the first people to do this. We didn't even come up with the idea. I know people that have done it in January. My husband, John, actually got this particular idea through listening to a podcast um, called Abraham's Wallet. I'll make sure to have that linked in the show notes. And Abraham's Wallet is kind of a biblical money stewardship men's podcast. I don't know. My, again, my husband listens to it. He really likes it. And on that podcast, those guys do something called Lodo Feb. And so they obviously do a similar concept to what we do. We have obviously made ours our own. There's every family can kind of do or or individual can do what you set the parameters, but you know, they do it in February. For us, we picked March. And honestly, <laughs> the question, you know, some people ask is, well, why why not February or why not January? A couple of reasons. One, January almost always includes a lot of travel for both my husband and I. And February includes Valentine's Day, our wedding anniversary, and our son's birthday. So needless to say, February is going to be a really hard month for my family and I to do a low-dough month because it is very much a high-dough month. <laughs> but uh, for us, we just kind of looked at the calendar and we thought March would be a good month. But it's interesting because 
actually, I guess as of this recording, uh, 11, yeah, 11 years ago this March is when I paid off the last of my debt. Now, today is not a money testimony story. I have kind of shared bits and pieces of my financial story on the podcast over the years. I will share the full story in my book that will release, hey, you're hearing it first, uh, next March, 2024. Um, So the month of March just kind of has a special meaning for me because it was the month that I wrote the very last check that I have ever written to pay off debt. And so uh, since that time, my husband and I have been debt free with the exception of our mortgages. And, you know, it's just every month I'm reminded or every March, excuse me, I am reminded of just what a big deal that was and how life changing it was for me to finally be released of all of that financial debt that I had been carrying. So I've kind of briefly explained what Lodo March is, where the idea came from or where we got the idea from. But you might be wondering, why would you do a Lodo March? Why would you do a low spend March? And it doesn't have to be March for you. It could be April. It could be May, June, July, you know, whatever month you can pick. You don't have to be married. You don't have to have kids. You can be a single person. Literally anybody can do a Lodo month. And so you might be wondering, well, what are the benefits? Why would you do it? Well, that's what today's episode is all about. There are quite a few benefits to doing a low dough, low spend month. And I'm going to kind of go over five main benefits, but there are certainly way more than this. This is just the five that really mostly apply to our family, but You could honestly, depending on where you are in your financial journey, you could see many more benefits. So the number one benefit in my personal opinion, and my my husband might even kind of differ in this, but my number one thing that I would say is it is a recalibration tool. It really helps us as a family. It helps me personally. It helps my husband. As a byproduct, it helps our kids evaluate our spending habits. We use it as a recalibration tool to just reset everything. So what we do on a very basic level for this is obviously we we spend our money on the things that are non-negotiables. So, you know, our 10% tithe to our church and any charitable giving that we are committed to, we that is a no-brainer, that is a must spend. So we obviously don't cut that out. Our mortgage. obviously a must spend. Our utilities, you know, our water bill, or actually we don't have a water bill. What am I, what am I saying? We live on a well, but we do have a company that comes and services our well from time to time. So like that would be a necessity. Electric, a necessity. Those types of things, you know, our cell phone bill, our internet bill, all those kinds of things that are necessary for our day-to-day lives, we obviously uh, absolutely, you know, spend our money and, and our budget in those areas. Now, we basically do not eat out at all in the month of March or doing a low dough month unless it is with a gift card. So this is a one thing that we tend to do is we will stockpile gift cards or even restaurant rewards points <laughs> so that if there is a time during the month of March where we are pressed for time or my husband and I want to go out on a date, then we can do it as cheaply as possible. 
So for example, last Friday while my kids were at school, my husband and I hadn't been out just us in a little while. So we went out to lunch to Chipotle. Shocking, I know. But I had some leftover gift card money from my birthday. And I also have a metric ton of Chipotle app rewards points. And so we were able to get our entire lunch for free just off of app rewards points and a gift card. So we were still able to go out and spend time together, but it didn't actually cost us any money. Another thing is my kids' spring break happens to be this month. So I have stockpiled a couple of gift cards to like Domino's or I think Chick-fil-A, things like that. So when my kids are home on spring break, if there's a night that they really want to get pizza or something like that, then we can go out or we can order in, but it's not going to actually cost us any money. So stockpiling gift cards is one thing that we do. But outside of that, we will not spend any budgeted money on eating out or anything like that. We also are very intentional with our grocery spending. So groceries, probably second, maybe even more than our mortgage. We spend just an insane amount of money on groceries. And I know that that for the most American families right now, that is is the case, is that groceries are just expensive. But, you know, we got two kids. We are constantly, we have, you know, friends over all the time for dinner. We're feeding people all the time. We are, you know, hosting. So we spend a lot of money on groceries and it's not like we're, you know, going out and buying really extravagant things. But the reality is, is our grocery bill is pretty intense. So during the month of March, since I am the primary grocery buyer, I'm the meal planner, I'm the primary cook in the house, I really evaluate what is it that we already have in our deep freezers because we do have two, no, sorry, three deep freezers. So we have deep freezers full of meat. We have a garage fridge that has a freezer in addition to the fridge inside of our kitchen in the house. So I will evaluate what we have in our pantry, what we have in those freezers and try to meal plan around that and then only buy the things from the grocery store that we actually need. Things like milk and, you know, cheeses and deli meat and fresh fruits and vegetables, because I don't know about your kids, but my kids love fresh fruits and vegetables. And I'm that is an area that to us is a necessity is feeding our kids healthy foods. And so having healthy fruits and vegetables on hand is a must spend, you know, but I'm going to make sure that my kids have snacks for school and that they have cereal for breakfast and things like that. So I'm not going to starve my children. I'm not going to starve my family. I'm not going to starve myself. But this is definitely going to be the month where I'm not going to go out and buy a really fancy cut of meat or I'm not going to plan a really expensive dinner. I'm going to try to plan our meals based around what we already have. Another great example is uh, last night or as of recording this, last night, uh, my friends uh, were over and they were working on a project in our yard and you know, usually on the weekends, we like to do pizza. And I knew that, you know, obviously with it being low dough March, I didn't want to order in pizza. So I looked in the pantry and I was like, well, I have all the ingredients to make pizza from scratch. So yes, it takes a little bit more time and intentionality, but I made some fresh pizza dough 
from scratch. I had fresh um, from scratch pizza sauce. I just pulled out every block of cheese we had and I made one like kind of five cheese pizza because it was basically just a conglomeration of all of the different cheeses we had. And then I made one that was various and sundry meats. (laughs) So some diced up turkey breast, a few slices of pepperoni diced up, some prosciutto, and it ended up being delicious. But it was all just made with things that we had on hand. I will also look at our deep freezers and look at different cuts of meat that we have that maybe we just have have been sitting there in the deep freezer a while and I'll find ways to cook them. So I'll look up recipes that is using what we have on hand. So all of those things, it just helps us to cut down our spending. I also will, again, stockpile gift cards. So I had like a $50 gift card to Food Lion. Um, I always save our Costco rebate check, you know, because we're Costco executive members because we're very fancy like that. And every year we get a rebate check from all of our Costco purchases from throughout from throughout the year. And so I'll take that rebate check and put it towards groceries in March. And so we, again, I try to spend as little as possible. As far as entertainment, we, you know, will only watch movies that we can you know, watch for free on Netflix or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime. So we're not going to rent a movie. We're not going to go out to the movies. We really try to just restrict and reset. So this is also a month where we're not going to be buying any new clothes. We're not going to be buying new shoes or anything like that. Now, obviously, if there is a necessity and a purchase that has to be made that simply cannot wait till April, of course, we will do that. But in general, it's this entire recalibration for our spending habits. Because when you sit and you really look at what you're spending, how you are spending your money, where the money in your budget is going to, it helps you to just hit a big reset on it. And for us as a family, another thing is, you know, my kids, (laughs) the reality is, is they kind of get annoyed with Lodo March because they want to go to Chick-fil-A. They want to go here. They want to get that. They want to get this. And I go, guys, that's not what we're doing this month. And and yes, they can kind of get frustrated with it, but it is a recalibration tool. And that leads me into number two, the, the, the second benefit of doing a low dough or low spend month. And that is, it is a training tool. It is a discipleship tool. So the word disciple is essentially a student, somebody who is undergoing uh, tutelage, to use a fancy word, um, in order to get better or achieve a specific goal or skill. So a disciple is simply a student. And so we are in training as human beings, no matter how old you are, you are a student of life. You're a student of God. You're a a, a disciple where you are constantly learning and growing and training. Um, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. And it says, this is from the CSB translation. It says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 
So this passage really talks about that training aspect of life, that discipleship. Paul loves to use kind of sports or athletic metaphors, but it really is just suggesting that we, you, me, that we should constrain ourselves in order to stay in fighting or running or athletic shape or you know being able to run the race of life. If you look at Olympic athletes, again, I think Paul's use of an athletic metaphor here is so great because if you look at Olympic athletes, they are under really strict <laughs> regimens for preparing for their you know, competition in the Olympics. You don't get to the Olympics without constraining yourself in some way. And so the reality is, is that in our lives, God is not the one that is going to just kind of pop out of thin air and stop you from doing the thing you know you shouldn't do. God is not going to just show up on your doorstep and knock on the door and be like, excuse me, I saw that you were searching Amazon again. You don't need to buy that thing. Or he's not going to be in the drive in the passenger seat when you go through the drive through. Or he's not going to be standing there forcing you to get to bed earlier or drive you to the gym or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. God is not going to literally physically be there telling you what to do and what not to do. Now, the Holy Spirit, when you ask the Lord to come into your life and you are equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can equip you with the power to do those things. But the reality is, is you have free will. And so our own free will gives us the ability to make choices. So by restricting ourselves in an intentional way, by placing boundaries around certain areas of our lives, especially in the area of our finances, we are training ourselves. And so whatever your goal is, especially if it's a financial goal. Now, the reality is, is and, and this is a blessing, is my husband and I are at a, a place in our finances where we are comfortable. We, you know, we don't have to cut things out if we don't want to. Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope I'm kind of articulating this well. I look at where I was financially 15 years ago or 14 years ago or heck, even 12 years ago, and I'm in a much different financial place now. But that has come because of self-control, of constraining ourselves, of discipline, of keeping a budget every single month, of staying out of debt. We have been very intentional with that, and we have worked really, really hard. This is not because we are some like wealthy millionaires or we've made millions of dollars. That is not the case. Um, my business, in fact, in the last couple of years has financially gone downhill. But, you know, we are good stewards of the money that we've been given. And, you know, my husband's business has done better, but we are by, again, by no means millionaires. We just simply are good stewards of our finances and we are really intentional with how we spend our money. We do not go into debt. We do not spend more than we make. And we do things like Lodo March to hit that reset, to disciple and train ourselves, to constrain ourselves so that we can make the best choices and work towards a goal. At the end of the day, my biggest opponent, the biggest opposition in getting where I want to be isn't materialism. It's not carbohydrates. It's not advertising. It's not the media. It's not the government. It's me. My own 
self-centeredness, my own self-interest, my own self-pity, my own self-reliance, all of those things, the focus on self are the things that will hold me back and drag me down. And so by constraining myself, by constraining what my husband and I can spend our money on, by exercising self-control, it really is the thing that helps us to move forward in what we want to do. Which leads me to number three. And this might sound like it's similar to number two, but it's not. Because number three says it exercises your no muscle. So number two is it's discipling us and it's training us. But part of that is number three is it's we are exercising. I am exercising my no muscle. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And so by exercising my no muscle, it helps me to practice saying no to things that aren't necessary. And there's I'm not going to get into it on this podcast, but you know, we talk about the, we've talked about the parable of the talents or being faithful in the little things so that you can be faithful in the big things by saying no to little things like going out to eat throughout the month of March or not buying that thing on Amazon two day shipping that I really want to get. Those little things add up over time. And so that teaches me and it exercises self-control in my own life so that when something comes that really does matter, it does play a part in a bigger story, I have that practice of saying no. And so I can exercise self-control and I can, again, continue to disciple and train myself or then the Holy Spirit equips me in that area so that I can be a better disciple of what I am learning and what I'm trying to do in areas of my life that I'm trying to grow. And, you know, this goes for my husband as well. And this goes for us in our marriage is it allows us to communicate about the things that we are saying no to as a couple and as a family. Which segues into number four. The fourth benefit of doing a low dough or low spend month is it teaches your kids about stewardship. Now, if you don't have kids, this is also a lesson for you as well. But, you know, our kids are nine and seven. And so it helps us to have conversations with them about being a good steward of what we've been given. I've told this story on the podcast before about how my seven-year-old son really struggles with the concept of money just in general, which I think is hilarious considering his father is a financial advisor. But they just, the reality is they don't understand and have a concept about money. But what Lodo March, what our Lodo month does is it kind of helps them to wake up and understand, oh, these things that we ask for all the time cost money. And so when we don't spend money on those things, we are a little bit more restricted. And it further teaches them that they can't just have everything they want whenever they want it. It, again, disciples and trains them. It helps them practice their no muscle and it helps them learn about stewardship. And then the fifth benefit for us is it allows us to plan for something that we want to do with that money. Now, it might look different from year to year. It might be a combination of these things. For us, we try to give out of some of that surplus. So we obviously always tithe and we have our charitable giving that we do each and every month. But during our Lodo March, when we aren't spending as much money as we normally do, we try to take a portion of that and give out of that surplus. 
The other thing is it allows us maybe to save for a big project. We are in the process right now and kind of praying about if we want to do an addition on our house. And that is a conversation for another day, but it is a conversation that my husband and I are having. And if that is something that we're going to do, then we would really need to save for that. And we would really need to exercise some pretty intense planning and budgeting if we decide to go forward with this project, because it's going to be not cheap and it's going to be a pretty big undertaking. But we have a reason for wanting to do this. And it kind of goes back to that whole stewardship thing. But if that's something we want to do, then by doing this low dough March, low spend month, we can take some of the money that we save this month and maybe put it towards that project. Another thing could be just planning towards a goal. Maybe you and your family want to take a big vacation that you've wanted to do for a long time. Maybe, you know, you've been talking about taking the grandparents to, I don't know, Greece or on a big cruise or something like those are not inherently bad things. Those are great things to make those memories. But sometimes it takes financial sacrifice to make those things happen. So if that is something that you want to do, it allows you to plan for that and save for that. Now, obviously, those are the five benefits that really fit our family, but there are a ton of other benefits that might be more tailored to you and whatever financial situation you are in. If you are in debt, if you find yourself in, you know, really have struggling with your finances, this is a great way to knock out debt, to just really, really tackle some of that debt that you have in your life. Also kicking bad spending habits or just overall recalibrating how your family looks at and thinks about money. And again, yes, it can be hard. It's supposed to be. It can be frustrating. It's supposed to be. It can be annoying. It's kind of supposed to be. When you are restricting yourself, when you are placing boundaries in a certain area of your life, when you're constraining yourself, when you're practicing that no muscle, when you are putting others, aka your family and the well-being of your finances above your own self-interest, self-reliance, self-centeredness, it is going to be hard. But there is a goal and a purpose in mind. So my challenge to you is no matter where you are in your financial journey, if you are in a ton of debt, or you are like a wealthy billionaire, <laughs> wherever you are on the financial spectrum, my encouragement to you would be to try this out. Pick a month this year. It does, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, an entire month of March. It could be like mid-March to mid-April, or it could be you know, a couple weeks in July and a couple weeks in October. I don't know. I, I don't know your situation, but I want to encourage you to do this. Sit down with your spouse, sit down with your kids, sit down with your friends. If you're single, look at your budget and see where are areas that you could really constrain yourself, put boundaries around and disciple yourself into recalibrating your finances. And you will be so amazed at what comes out of it. The fruit of what comes out of doing something like this can be really, really beneficial. I don't claim to be an expert on this by any means, <laughs> by you know, in any way, shape or form. My goal is just to encourage you and share where we are in our journey as a family. And, you know, as somebody who was at one time tens and tens of thousands of dollars in consumer credit card debt to now being where I am financially. And I 
a lot of that just comes down to stewardship, hard work, and really being determined to hit a reset on my finances. I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that this encourages you and inspires you in wherever you are in your financial journey. I would love to hear from you. Let me know on social media. I'm at still being Molly or at can I laugh pod on Instagram and Facebook. Send me a message or leave a comment and let me know what you've learned or if this is something that you're going to take on as a challenge in your family. If you have questions, let me know. Again, I'm going to reference that Abraham wallet podcast in the show notes where my husband originally got this idea. But again, they're not even the inventor of it, but they're kind of the ones that that inspired us and we've taken it and made it our own from there. As always, thank you for listening. Head on over to wherever you listen to this podcast and click the subscribe or follow button and take a moment to leave a review, which really does help me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. And as always, thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing this show. And I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye.